0: Welcome back to the show. Today, we are having an incredible conversation with coach and speaker Bettina Carey. Bettina is the four foot, nine and a half Latina, which she likes to refer to herself, who is such a powerhouse at inspiring and empowering women to create big, big results in their lives. She is all about like shattering glass ceilings, kicking self-imposed limitations to the curb, really learning how to lean into what you are here to create. She, whether she's coaching from live or virtual stages or conferring in small cohorts of bold women or men on the rise across a conference table, her strategies and straight talk compel men and women to find a whole new gear to succeed beyond their wildest dreams. She is in the process right now of her forthcoming book, releasing Shattering Your Own Glass Ceilings, Unlocking Your Inner Power and Hidden Potential with Your Master Key. So that is coming. But this episode goes even in a different direction as we talk vulnerably about Patina's story and how that actually set her in motion many years ago to do the work that she does today and how passionate she is about making a difference in the lives of women worldwide, globally, globally. She shares vulnerably. She shares openly. It is a beautiful episode and she shares so many incredible analogies, mantras, and phrases, which is like right up my alley because I love it. And we talk about some of the lessons that we have learned over these last number of years. Incredible episode, incredible connection. I know you're going to love this.
1: Welcome to the show, Bettina. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Oh, Marsha, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, you're so welcome. Can you tell everyone where you are from? I'm actually from uh, the world. Actually, I grew up all over. My dad was in the army, and I landed in Seattle in 1979. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, I was just in Tacoma for from '76 on, and now I've been here ever since.
0: Oh wow! Isn't that so funny? So like we we just laugh how this works because you were connected to me by somebody that I had a conversation with in Bosnia. <laughs> <laughs> So you just kind of laugh and go, I, so I really had no idea where you were. This is awesome. Can you share something with us that maybe not everyone knows about you?
1: Well, let's see now. Um, I'll have to pause on that one. (laughs) Oh, I know something that's not, that folks out there who see me in the virtual world may not know. And that is that I stand only four feet, nine and a half.
0: Ooh short and powerful. I'm going to guess, right? Yes. Wow. Four, that's awesome. I am five foot three and I am like by far the shortest female in my whole family by
1: oh, far. Yeah. I'm your best friend then, right? You're my best friend, You're <laughs> <laughs>
0: my best friend.
1: Oh, so as I sit here and we're having this
0: conversation, I am looking at your sign in the back and it says, we empower you. It's beautiful. The logo's beautiful. Thank it's a you. lotus flower, which is like one of my absolute favorites. It's just one of my favorite symbols. What does empower mean to you?
1: Wow. Choice. Mm-hmm. One word choice. Mm-hmm. Standing in those choices that you can make. You know, I I believe that you only get in life what you have courage to ask for. Yeah. And being able to ask for more gives you tons of choices in life. So if we know that we have the choice
0: and we can ask for more, why don't we?
1: Well, you know, I started off life very uh, much at a young age in a home where I was already in a disempowered lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And at 17, I ended up um, falling in love with my high school boyfriend. Mm -hmm. He was my very first serious boyfriend. And he soon started to abuse me. And with that abuse came daily fight for your life kind of moments. And eventually, though, I married him mm-hmm. and I was pregnant with his child and my firstborn. And one of those assaults led to him um, causing the premature birth and led to her passing a few days later. And it would take me about a year or so to leave that relationship. So that's really what set the stage for me to think about the word empowerment and think about what it was to be empowered. And at the time I lacked choices. I was a Catholic girl. We had pregnancy in the middle of a premarital situation. I was trying to fix that. And I didn't believe my parents would help me, although I would learn later, they would have helped me with anything. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I had no choice in the matter. Um, I was a woman, you know, graduated in 1976, married just before my high school graduation. And I believe at the time women didn't even have the right to have their own credit cards. Um, My parents never saved for me for college I was on the honor roll at high school, but my teachers never talked to me about college at all. And so there were so many limitations that I was living into. And so as soon as I started to feel my way into what I would become, which is the empowerer that I am now, it all became about the word choice. I want choice in the matter, in every matter. And that meant going to college, no matter what I went you know, by hook or by crook, I got a nursing degree and went to college for five years and went to work every day to make sure I could pay for that college education. So the choices, you know, really have a lot to do with the empowerment for me. And as I've observed, you know, what's gone on for women over the last 50 years, we have more and more choices, but I did stumble onto something that, that, I would say is at the crux of everything for me. And that is my own self-limiting belief system that was inculcated into me through advertising and the way I was brought up in my own Puerto Rican culture and American society. So there, there was all these influences. But what I realized was that I too had choices in my own head that were limiting my choices in life. And so once I started to address those self-limiting thoughts and beliefs, all of a sudden, you know, doors that were previously closed began to open wide and doors and windows and shutters, you know, just cracked wide open. And that's the life I'm living into today.
0: Wow. You just shared an awful lot that I want to go back and unpack. So first off, I want to thank you for being, Vulnerable and real, because I am sure that is not an easy story at all to share, um, but I so admire how you're using that story to inspire and help others now. So that's the first thing. Um, before I go back to your story, there's something that you said there about you know the limiting beliefs. And I'm guessing, I mean, different locations, but similar era, probably where we like similar times and era where we grew up. And when you talk about limiting beliefs, um, it's interesting because I, when I think back, it's not that things weren't available. I just don't feel it was ever talked about. Like I did go to, I did go to university. I was the first person in my entire family to go. Um, That was pretty much sheer stubbornness and that, that, that happened, but opportunities, I don't remember there being a lot of discussions about things that women could do. Like we were just literally in a space where we're talking about women going into science, which sounds crazy when I think about it, like we're not talking, we're talking, you know, 30 years that 30, 35 years when I was finishing going through high school and finishing that that was like, okay, we have to find a way to get more women involved in science. So opportunities were not obvious. They were not the forefront of the mind. So combine that with not a lot of people talking about what is available and what you can do, then it almost makes your world very small, which only feeds the limiting beliefs that I can't step outside of this. And that just sometimes keeps us stuck in that space until we decide to see something differently.
1: Absolutely. I mean, when I think about it, I was entering the University of Washington here uh, for my education and I took this test, you know, that was a prerequisite and it showed clearly that I had very strong medical potential as well as very strong communication skills and interestingly enough, nobody offered me the opportunity to go to medical school, even though I know probably as much as any doctor knows <laughs> because I had such a passion and an interest in the medical field. And to this very day, people call on me before they actually call on the doctors, even though I'm not a practicing nurse even. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep up to date on most medical things. And so that, that's a really perfect example. In fact, I was destined to be a mother. Um, a secretary or a nurse and or a teacher. That was pretty much the only options. And uh, not to say anything bad about nurses. No, I there is not. I know lots nursing. of. No. <laughs> I'm still a nurturer to this very day. But at the end of the day, it was the lack of choices that I would have an issue with. Mm-hmm. And and then subsequently, you know, finding my way now to where I'm at using my communications background both in speaking publicly and offering opportunities for myself and others to be on bigger and bigger stages. It's interesting that that was also never pointed out to me. And I bumped into that fact much, much later in life. Mm -hmm. So there's hope, I think, in the future for women around the world, in fact, that we have better and more choices. But what I started about 30 years ago was to start helping other women, not just myself. So when I was lifting myself up, I was also helping to lift up others along the way. And I've since impacted over 6,000 lives, a thousand of which have actually come through COVID. And many of those have been women. So I'm really thrilled with the opportunities that we have in front of us. And yet I still watch both society and individuals and families and cultures still impacting women's choices and boy does that still get to me
0: there's a lot of directions that could go right now because of what we're watching happen in the states and it is just it blows my mind it absolutely blows my mind um yeah and yeah i won't make you go there but i definitely like it it's I heard a quote saying that we are on the verge of our generation having less choices than our grandmothers did. And it's like, oh. just think about that. Like I got goosebumps when I heard that. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, that's like, it's 50 years. It sets back too. And that is just, it's, it's so scary. It's so scary. Um,
1: I have a 10 year old granddaughter And for the future work that I'm doing around empowering women, particularly, and women of color, because I'm also a Latin woman, Mm -hmm. it's for her. It is totally about her at this point. I'm going to be 64 in June. And uh, all I'm exploring is how do I make a meaningful impact on this planet? (laughs) Not just my city, not just my town, not just in my country, but around the globe. So that women everywhere have voice and have choices and have doors just flinging open at will where they can be and do and have what they so richly deserve.
0: Okay. I've lost my words because I just love everything that you said there. That was so beautiful. Just think about though, like I just can picture your granddaughter now And the example that you're setting as a grandmother is like, that is just think of that, like, think of what you're doing. that is, And I think that the powerful thing is, is that it's so like, we want to have a vision of somebody in mind that we are supporting. A lot of times it's our younger self. Like a lot of times it's, I wish I would have had these lessons back when, Um, and but then we wouldn't be doing the work that we're doing now if we hadn't walked through this. So I do recognize that and realize it, but I can see how she is in the forefront of your mind when you speak, when you share, when you are here to empower others, because how beautiful is that? That she has the, she's growing up knowing, hearing, and seeing that she can have choice as a female.
1: Yes. And it's really kind of comical to watch on some level because (laughs) she'll sit there and say, I'm... Bettina Carey, like she'll pretend to be me. Are you serious? (laughs) That's adorable.
0: That's adorable.
1: And and yet she has her own story. In fact, there was a story about when she was eight and a half years old. She happened to be sitting in front of the Zoom camera while it was running. And she was talking into it because she knew to do that at that age, Mm -hmm. having watched me over and over. And she spoke into having been called to change people's lives she already knows her calling. She already knows her purpose. She's already got that nurturing ability that, you know, I certainly have. And whether it came from me or her other gene pool, I don't know, but it's certainly fun to watch, to be able to see how at 10 now that she is living into this possibility of being able to transform lives, just like her grandmother And I think what
0: happens then we talk about, you know, how, when you start to create those changes in your life, that doors open, but you're already like, this is opening up doors for her at a younger age, especially in the age where there is more openness for possibility, like compared to, you know, it's harder to change as we're adults. We know that. But when you're a kid and you're in that space and you're seeing all the possibilities that are there, I just think there's even more doors opening for her now than there would have been um, for any of us.
1: Yes. I And I have to be watchful uh, around the political side of things and stand for our rights to protect her. Because if not, as you say, things might be worse for her yep. in her lifetime than they ever were for me and you. So think, it is something to be aware of.
0: Very Did much you? so. <laughs> very, no,
1: very, very much so.
0: And I do think like what you're saying there is really powerful because when we have to speak up for things, and I'm assuming based on your story, like when we have to speak up for things that are difficult to talk about, difficult to do, we, we have to, because it's like, if we don't. Then like not everybody has the voice or platform to get on and speak. And I'm sure you've heard this many times that people say to me, how do you have those conversations? And I'm like, I, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I just know it. Like, it's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing to not utilize that. If that's your gift, then that's a shame. And you don't want to do that because you're right. You are also speaking up for the future that she is able to have.
1: Yes. And, and not just my granddaughter, but like I have some women that I've befriended in um, parts of Africa. Right. And just this last weekend, I was speaking to a woman and she basically was in the dental field and decided to move away from that because every time she would apply for work, the dental uh, doctors would want to have um, sex with her. And so she was not able to pursue a career in the field of dental Uh, work because she was being harassed, sexually harassed in the workplace on an ongoing basis. So I'm helping her to find her way into another career path where she's dependent on only herself as someone who's self-employed. Another young woman over there in Uganda, living in the same kind of community as the other gal, she was raped at 17. She was still in school And uh, their school is a little bit behind. So she was probably more like in sixth or seventh grade level. And of course she had a baby resulting from that. And, you know, she and her opportunities are diminished. Her family turned her out. They didn't, you know, they, the men there rape a lot in Uganda. And so here she is in these circumstances. And so I can't stand here in the United States and not stand up for women in Uganda or other parts of the world. You know, it's, it's not just our soapbox that we need to continue to stand up for and our rights here in, in America or in Canada, in North America. It happens to be a world problem. And unless all of us are uh, have choices, then none of us have choices. That that if it that is so good. So can you repeat that
0: last sentence again just to let it land for people?
1: Yes, if if all of us don't have choices, then none of us have choices.
0: Yeah, that is so true. When I did, and I've shared this on this podcast many times. So I apologize if you're listening and you've heard it, but it's such a powerful story. Is that my podcast originally when it first started. I started getting downloads in Africa and it was a young girl who was a survivor. She made it very clear. She's not a victim. She's a survivor of human trafficking. And it was her mom who sold her and she shared the story. I've like, I've had her, I've done lives with her. We actually got her published in one of our collaborative books and much like your granddaughter, she is my reminder. Like them back is always my reminder that there's someone out there praying for solutions we're holding on to. There's someone out there that it can be not somebody, you know, it could be the other side of the world that your story can make a difference for. So, and that's always been a reminder for me that our story goes so much further than we could ever imagine.
1: Yes. And we can impact them too. Now that there's this virtual world. So you found your way to her. She found her way to you and these ladies have found their way to me. And I'm like, Oh my God, I, I, I wasn't pursuing helping women in Uganda, but now that I've kind of my eyes are wide open to what's going on over there, I'm like, sign me up. When can I help? How can I help? Who can I help is really all that's on my mind. In addition, I believe that Lily will be the one that carries on the legacy because she's the one who has the same nurturing personality as myself. And she's the one who's been following me and watching me. And she pretty much could do my script, actually. (laughs) Oh, is this the one you just referred to from Uganda? Oh, beautiful. No, my my own granddaughter. Okay. Okay. Well, hopefully
0: like that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that she's able to recite that.
1: Yes. She's a woman after my own heart. Wow. That is uh
0: and you know, I think back to like, um, when I was younger, I remember bringing home a form, I think it was maybe 10 or 11 saying I wanted to speak in a public speaking contest. And my parents were like, oh, you can't do that. That's actually, you can't do that. That's really scary. And I was like, why is it scary? I want to, I want to do it. And I remember like, I, I had to talk them into it. And then it was like, I won that regional and went on and they were like, oh, like, oh, but see, when i was younger that was all considered like if you speak too much that's bossy that is like you know children should be seen and not heard and all of those things so it's i just again i think it's beautiful that you're opening up that door for her that it's okay to use your voice it's it's great to learn how to use your voice trust your voice
1: yes yeah absolutely i can't not tell you how many times i got in trouble for using my voice in classroom oh, setting <laughs>
0: I think, yes, I think we would have very many stories there to share because that's just what life was like for us is that I was that and being told I was too much. You're too much like it's too much. And I look back and I think, you know, it's too bad that we don't actually tell these girls that like those are leadership skills, like there's nothing wrong with having that energy and having, there's nothing wrong with that. So a quick question I want to take you back to is you talked about like impacting over 6,000 lives and a thousand during COVID. Tell us about that. What does that look like and how do you help them?
1: Well, the last 1,000 have come to me by way of the virtual summit stage that I created called We Empower You, the global virtual summit, which we host every single quarter The next coming up is June the 8th, September the 14th after that, and December the 14th. And it's a virtual stage where we bring together these very, very talented coaches, authors, speakers, consultants, and thought leaders together with the people that they most could be helping. And we do a bang up job getting the word out. And so as they come onto the virtual stage, they're able to interact with the speakers as well as network and promote their businesses, and it's just a really rich in milieu of people from all over the globe, from Seoul, Korea, Abidjan, Africa, um, you name it, Canada, Pocatello, Idaho, and, <laughs> and Seattle, Washington. So everywhere around the world, there are people that are joining us. And historically, though, I started hosting workshops, conferences, webinars, webinars, um, and expos, and and then summits, live summits, many years ago, nearly 30 years ago now. And that's where the rest of the folks that I've impacted came through. The content is rich from people like yourself who have developed and honed their craft in subject matter areas that all people really need to know. So when I hear someone sharing a story that I think can impact lives, I want them on my stage, totally want them on my stage
0: beautiful. So you are reaching so many people and helping them to create change in their life at the same time.
1: Yes. As many lives as I can possibly touch before my last breath is my goal. You know, when COVID reared its ugly head in 2020, I was poised to host a live event and it switched it up to completely virtual not realizing that that would actually be the best thing that ever happened, right? Because the virtual stage uh, exposed us to having a more of a global opportunity. But at the end of the day, I was actually very much thinking that I was going to coast into my 62nd year, that I was going to maybe retire early or get semi-retired. And then I would literally leave my baby behind that I'd been nursing and nurturing all these years, which was the, we empower you what's now known as the, we empower you community. And instead COVID inspired me as I looked at my watch and I said, you know, if I have three to five days left because I get COVID, I want to know that I've left a lasting impact on this planet. So I picked up my sword and my, my role in to be living my inspirement years. That's inspiring and mentoring. And I will, again, do this till my last breath, because if I have gone through this walk on earth and collected a lot of wisdom in my hot little head, I want to make sure that I get that out there to the masses. And in addition to that, I wanted to create stages where the folks like yourself And their content would be kept in perpetuity. So I record every single conversation that I'm having with experts and authors and coaches and speakers. And that way it's preserved for my granddaughter, who's 10, who can go back and listen to it when she's 20 and 30 and 40. And then she can be inspired throughout her entire lifetime.
0: That is beautiful. I absolutely love every single thing that you're doing. And I love the um, inspirement years. Like I love, I loved that quote and what you said there, because I think what happened for a lot of us is COVID amplified a lot of, you know, our thoughts and what are we doing and what do we want to do? What do we want to create? And I mean, I know this is a big generalization, but I think you were either one of two camps. You were one camp where you were angry and frustrated and resentful. And you were the other camp where it was like, okay, well, how can this be happening for me? What can I be doing? And that's, it sounds like that's where you were in too. It's it, my, my full-time job was gone one day, completely gone. And I remember coming home and I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'd had this little side hustle, this little side hustle that I've been doing podcasting and, you know, writing books, et cetera. And I remember having this conversation with myself. It was March 17th and 2020. And I sat there and went, what if this is actually the time you asked for to create this? Like, are you going to be okay if you don't go all in on this? And it was like, no. And I just went all in. Like I went all in the next day and my husband laughed. He's like, you didn't even skip a beat. I'm like, no, there's no time for regrets. Like, I just didn't want to regret anything. And I had a number of great friends who were like, why don't you just chill and watch Netflix? And I'm like, because this is time. Like, what if I don't, I don't get this back, right? Like this is, this could be the time that I've actually asked for. And it was, it hundred percent was.
1: Yeah. I have a saying uh, that goes like this. When the universe gives you time, take it (laughs) because you never know when it won't be there for you. And you'll be asking for time because you can't make or invent time, right? I cannot. So when the universe gives you time, take it.
0: Oh, that's so good. That is so good. I want to take you
1: back and just to
0: give a little bit of context to your story, if that's okay. Where was a turning point when you were younger, when you went, okay, this is not how I thought life was going to go. This is incredibly... Tragic and sad. And I'm sorry for that, for what you lived through. But for people who are listening, especially as we tie this to COVID, if we can right now, because I know they've talked a lot about like the number of, you know, addictions and domestic violence and how high cases are, especially over these last two years. Where was the turning point for you? Where you decided that, no, this is not where my story ends. This is not the life that, and and I don't know what my choice is, but I want something more for my life.
1: You know, I had a dream the night before I left and it wasn't a pretty dream. It was me standing above this person with a knife in my hand mm-hmm. and I was going to prison. And I woke up the next morning and I made my plan that sometime that day I was not coming back home. I was going to leave and I would never return. And there was a church event that was occurring. And I decided because he would not let me go to church, I was going to go to this church event. And I spoke with the nuns and I spoke with the priest that night. And they find, found me a place to stay with the nuns. And I never looked back. And that was the biggest turning point. It wasn't the only one though, because it was, it was the first one where I literally asked myself, you know, that bigger question, did I have the courage to stand up for what I believed, which was that I was deserving of something better you know, and, you know, I have this other saying, um, picked up along the way, that if you only get in life, what you have the courage to ask for, ask for more. And it was that turning point that led me to picking up back with my career, which I already had started in in nursing, and then going on to getting my nursing uh, license and my nursing degree. Um, A second point, though, came when I realized after my daughter had been uh, deceased for over 17 years, that I was ready to stop grieving in the way that I was grieving, that it was okay for me to stop grieving so hard and that I could go on and have another life. And so those two defining moments, you know, one, leaving with just a close on my back and the second, was that I could I could bury, name, and let go of my daughter after all it had been 17 years. And between those two, I set out on that path to empower myself and empower others. Thank you
0: for sharing both of those points. Um, I got goosebumps both times when you were sharing. And I think of, you know, that vision that you had, and knowing that, I mean, that could have been the choice that would have happened. Because when you don't see a way out, sometimes that becomes that this is all I have. But I think that's really what's really important here, even to add to that with anyone else who's listening who might be living in this kind of scenario, is you hit a point where you ask for help. You asked someone for help. You went somewhere for help. You also had to allow yourself to receive help. Like I that's vulnerable, right? Like that's being vulnerable. That's like saying, look, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's next, but I don't want to do it this way. And I don't know what to do. So I do think there's a piece there that you did of asking for help and then receiving help and knowing that you deserved more. Like you definitely deserve more, as does anyone who is listening to this. You do deserve more. But when your story has been on repeat that you are not worthy of more, and then you compound that with years of limiting beliefs, it's not easy to undo those things it's not impossible. It's not impossible. I don't want anyone to think it's a, but it's not easy, but there comes a point where I think it's almost is just this key point of a decision in the road. It's like, I can't do it this way any longer.
1: There must've been some divine intervention in there. I have to say, because at the the one hand, to have that kind of dream, which wasn't my normal dreams, by the way, Mm -hmm. but then to also see it as a premonition that, I was getting to the point of snapping and my body must've recognized that because I had not lifted a finger to defend myself in the situation. There was a lot of lethality to his abuse and something told me that that was a little bit of a birdie whispering in my ear Mm -hmm. that I had this chance to get out and save my life and perhaps his too. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, you know, I say just leave because that's what I ended up doing was just leaving and it wasn't easy. I mean, I wasn't even living anywhere near my parents. I had, I was just 19, but I just left and I didn't care about what was in the physical world that was there that I'd left behind. I just cared that I was not. Going to end up doing any harm myself to somebody else and I also was going to protect myself. So mm-hmm. very, very wrenching story, I have to say, but I did survive. And it's not uh interestingly enough, because I'm now 64 and those years were from about 17 to about 1920. Mm-hmm. Um it really is a shorter period of time in my life, but it is it's sort certainly set the stage for the work that i do now and the way that i live so passionately on purpose. it it
0: does. and i think that's the that's the hard thing sometimes i a lot of times i refer to with clients or people that i speak to like we have these parts of our stories that i like to call there are shame parts. like we hold on to them. we're ashamed of those parts of our past. we are um we actually don't want others to know what's happening. But they're the piece that allows us to connect with others. And it's not that we live in it and divulge everything. We don't do that. But it's learning how to tap into that and allow ourselves to be seen. I actually think a lot of our gifts, our superpowers, what we've learned, what we can impact others, comes from those shame parts of our stories that we don't want to unpack but they can be the most powerful. And I think that by you doing like you're, as you just said, those two years, two and a half years set the stage for all of the work that you're doing now. And I know it's hard. It's like, I'm never saying that, Oh, we have to be grateful for every single thing that's happened to us. It's, it's that we wouldn't be the people that we are without those experiences. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other piece that to tie it back to is knowing and coming to a time and space that you can take your daughter's memory and do something incredibly good with it. Like you can do something incredibly good with it. And I think, I thank you for sharing that.
1: Yes. In fact, at the time, one of the things that set me free was I did a little bit of a ceremony Mm-hmm. Um, she was not actually named, uh, on her birth certificate. So I named her in a public setting. I created a ceremony of her naming her. Uh, it was a little bit like an Indian ritual of sorts. And I, um, buried her as well because she was buried by the hospital, not by me and didn't have a grave site. So I literally had the opportunity to heal that. And it was like snapping my fingers. Once I did that, Ceremony. It turned out that it was so healing; it had an instant impact, mm-hmm. and I was able to literally stop crying every single day and uh, move on with my life. And and I, she's still with me, of course, as of course. you can imagine. Every single day. Her name is Laura Jean, by the way. And uh, but at the end of the day, I was able to move on and have a life and not just be grieving so so intently and. You know, that was, those weren't not great years. I would have to say,
0: no, how could they be? But I think that that is, you created some closure because you did have that. That's beautiful that you had a ceremony to name her and you had that, um, that experience. And I think that that is, you know, I think whether they are our earth babies or our angel babies, and I have angel babies, I understand in a sense, different circumstances, but um, they, they're always with us. And I just think they're always teaching us something. They're always, they're always with us.
1: Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. So this has just been such a powerful conversation. Where can people connect with you? And you also mentioned that your next virtual summit is June 8th. So it's just around the corner.
1: Yes. Yeah, so the easiest way for anybody to reach me is to go to the website we empower your life.com and click on the summit tickets tab to get a summit ticket. Mm -hmm. We do those every single quarter again, June 8th, September 14 and December 14 this year. And we'll carry on in 2022 or three rather. And uh, you can also just say yes to our membership, which is a community of women and men who are all over the world collectively moving forward, our mission, our purpose, and uh, living passionate lives, producing these summits, being a member community and uh, moving it forward and paying it forward.
0: Mm. Yeah. You're speaking all of my language. That is like 100% all of my languages. <laughs> the more we can pay it forward, the more we can do that and live in that energy. That is, um, it's a really powerful thing. I think it's taken many years and age to learn that. Um, but that's all good. Cause I'm grateful for it. So as we start to round up, what I want to ask you is one more question is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Wow.
1: Being present, mm-hmm. being absolutely crystal clear that the only moment in time that exists is right here and right now. And that the future is yet to come, and that the past truly does not exist anymore. And so being present allows me to have this kind of connection with you in this moment in time, Mm -hmm. and with those who are listening and watching. And for me, that's everything. That's the biggest lesson. And it came by way of Eckhart Tolle, very famous author and speaker who Oprah brought to her stages. And he left me with this skill and ability now that I use each and every day to become, you know, present to the fact that this is the moment mm-hmm. to seize the moment, you know, to live into the moment is all that we really, truly have.
0: So powerful and so true. And I think until you're in a space where a lot of your life is falling apart, I think that, it's hard to comprehend what it actually means to be in the present moment. Like it's actually hard to comprehend what being grateful for the present moment is. I think you have to come to a space of feeling like you're losing everything until you actually see it. And my husband and I've had many, many a laugh, especially over the last couple of years But as people are, you know, devastated and so frustrated, I'm not saying but I'm just saying about their limitations and what they can do. And, you know, we had three Christmases where we didn't see people. We had times like that that was really challenging, or two Christmases, sorry. And I just know remember looking at it going, but we're here, we're healthy, this is good. Like we have, we have a lot to be grateful for. And because we have been on the verge of losing so much over and over. It just allows you to be grateful for the things in the present moment and to not lose it over things that are not important.
1: The present moment will help you to do that because there are times when you want to lose it. And it's like, oh, that's future thinking. Oh, that's past thinking. That's always it. It's always past or future. It's always the further back you go or the more drama that you put onto the past or the future the more painful it is, and so the when you think in the present tense, in this in seconds, literally milliseconds, mm-hmm. then all that pain just disappears. So I choose to be in peace in life, as opposed to living into the future or the past with craziness. <laughs> so, all the things I hope it helps others call. to know. And Eckhart Tolle is a great teacher of that. He's a master at it. Mm-hmm.
0: He hundred percent is. And I cannot remember who said this quote, it was not him, but it's that if we are being consumed by the past, we are living with depression. If we are consumed by the future, we are like, if we are living in the future, we are consumed by anxiety. Like the only time we have is the present moment. And I've used that many times where it's like, I can feel the anxiety. I'm like, wait, am I, all my energy is focused on something that hasn't even happened yet. Like it hasn't even happened. It's not even here. So Marsha, slow down, calm down and just stay here.
1: That gives me goosebumps. And hopefully you'll be able to remind me of who that is. Cause I don't know. I'm going to look it up because I honestly, I cannot remember. It's such a great quote,
0: but I will um, look it up and I'll send it to you. It's been, it's been something that has been an anchor for me in my life many times over is, you know, living, and it was during my years of doing a lot of yoga, almost for therapy, my own therapy, as I was using yoga for at that time. And that's when I learned to be present. It's, it was because I wanted to run off my mat so hard and there was nowhere to go. And it's like, just stay here, stay in the discomfort and you will work your way through it. And I think that's another piece of it is that we're always trying to avoid that discomfort when actually that discomfort can teach us something. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, well, this has been a powerful conversation, honestly. I'm so great. This is another thing about podcasting. I love how it allows me to connect with so many different people from all over the world. And I love the work that you're doing. So thank you so much for being here, Bettina.
1: Yes. And I love your authenticity because this conversation definitely took some turns that I had never even anticipated. I like <laughs> to I hope it that will be of value to others listening.
0: Yeah, it definitely will be.
1: Thank you so much, Marcia.